which have completely different I buckles. I was going to say the same <laughs> yeah. thing. There's one with a huge like Western buckle and the other one is like yeah. a very small, like normal ass buckle. Hello, 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 sleepover squad. Yeah, yeah, I'm making that happen. I'm forcing that upon every listener. I love that. I love it. Um, yeah, welcome back to uh, Movies That Raised Us. If you're a new listener, I'm Christina. And I'm Mariah. I'm Mariah. No, I'm Mo. <laughs> yeah, and uh, welcome to the show. We have another wonderful episode for you today. I feel like we're like TRL VJs. We're like, welcome to the show. <laughs> Are you guys excited? We got some awesome things lined up for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we initially had a different movie in this spot, but um, due to some unforeseen circumstances, we uh, had the opportunity to switch it up this week and. We wanted to do something that had somewhat of like an autumnal vibe. And there is a coat in every single scene in this film. So I feel like it's it's fitting for this time of year. Today we are doing 2006's The Devil Wears Prada. Ah. Lots of big names. Did Meryl Streep get an Oscar nomination? Of course. Yes. Of course she did. Yes, she did. Um, yeah, this is a highly requested film, so I'm very glad that we're finally covering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I have watched a million times for sure. I think the last time I watched it was maybe like three months ago. <laughs> it is something I've watched a lot too. There was like a part of the notes that I was typing out because I was like, oh shit, I forgot to include that. And I literally was picturing the entire thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can very (laughs) clearly see what's happening in this movie. Oh, yes. I mean, talk about an all-star cast. We have obviously Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. We have Anne, aka Annie Hathaway. Emily Blunt, Stanley Tucci. Who else? The guy from Entourage. Adrian Grenier, yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like stellar performances across the board. And while doing our little, you know, research, we did find that initially they had wanted Rachel McAdams to play Andy Sachs, which would have been a very different film. Yeah, I personally not for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I think Annie was the right choice. Mm -hmm. Um, They had also considered Juliette Lewis and Claire Danes as well. But no, I think that Annie Lynn's such a, gosh, she gives such a layered performance and... We were kind of talking about this off mic before we started about how like she often gets put into roles where she's really like dressed down and made to look kind of like plain Jane drabby. And because of her, I guess her like features, she can either look like an amazing movie star or just like a very pretty normal girl. So it's so funny. It's like, I mean, Princess Diaries, Bride Wars, this movie, they've straighten her hair and it's like she's the princess of genovia yeah it's pretty crazy she's a chameleon what can i say yeah yeah um we also did find out because i was curious i couldn't remember how the film was received and then i was like oh it was nominated for best actress and was it also nominated for best film I don't know if it was nominated for Best Picture. I know that it was also nominated for Costume Design. Yes, it was Costume then because it got two Oscar nominations. Um, And the budget was about 35 to 41 million and it made 
326.7 million in the box office. So yeah, box office hit. Absolutely. Initially, I was kind of surprised that they were able to make it for that cheap because of all the clothes. But then mm-hmm. I realized they were probably just all borrowed. Yeah. So they probably didn't have to really pay that much on costuming. Although I would be very curious to see kind of the breakdown and how much actually was spent on costuming because all the clothes in this movie are designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking to find out more about the costume design, I did watch a video essay by Modern Girls, huge fan of that YouTube channel. And it was basically breaking down the three main characters, Emily, Andy, and Miranda, about their kind of individual style throughout the movie and how it you know, denotes their character and whatnot. So I'll have that linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. Emily is like almost always wearing black. Yeah, she wears a lot of dark pieces and her style is much more like alternative and edgy compared to the others because, you know, Miranda is very like classic, clean lines with like the occasional statement piece. Andy is very like feminine also kind of classic like a lot of chanel is really yeah like what they put andy in a lot of the time but uh this is really pulled from the video this is not i don't know enough about fashion to be pulling this (laughs) on my ass but emily's uh style is more like vivian westwood like rick owens a little bit more alternative edgy yeah um mixing different fabrics and a lot of dark pieces i like hers the best yeah in my opinion i think that andy's looks i absolutely get like that they're designer like it's like obviously well made like put together and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but I would never personally wear it I think Dolce Mm -hmm. & Gabbana is a menace to society (laughs) that's fair that's fair um yeah and then I believe that for Miranda I'm trying to remember the designers that were listed damn I can't remember just go go watch the video if you want to know And of course, this movie was based on the novel of the same name by Lauren Weisberger, and it was based on her time working at Vogue. And so like, it's never been confirmed, but it's very clear that Miranda Priestly is modeled after Anna Wintour, Mm -hmm. who actually did go to the premiere wearing Prada. So she had to, she, she couldn't stay away from that. It would look so bad. Oh yeah. She'd look petty. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and the last little fact we have is that a musical adaptation is slated to open on Broadway in 2022 um, with Elton John collaborating on the music. I'm very intrigued to see how this goes down because... Can't imagine a world in which it would be good. (laughs) No. And my reasoning is that, especially with Miranda, I mean, and we'll talk about this throughout, but like the way that Meryl performs the role of Miranda is very much suited for film. It's very quiet. It's very understated. Yeah, exactly. You can't play this character to the back of the house because then she loses all of her power. All of her power yeah. comes from how restrained she is. Like when you turn it into a caricature, it's it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have it continue to be a drama if you uh, turn Miranda's character into like a really like overt performance. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'll, I don't know. Maybe I'll go see it. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see who they can. Maybe cast. I'll go fucking see it. This piece of shit on my <laughs> maybe shoes. I'll, maybe I'll deign to go and watch yeah. Sir Elton John's <laughs> show. <A> musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we dive in, shall we talk about our reviews for today? Let's freaking go for it. The first review we have today is from Sir, Sir Carr. One, two, three. SR car. Mm-hmm. And you said the nostalgia I needed. And you mentioned 
that our podcast helps make LA traffic bearable, which I find to be really high praise because people mm-hmm. people do be talking shit constantly about LA <laughs> traffic. So true. I gave you the song "Float On" by Ben Lee for your montage. Picture it. You're in LA. Easy to picture because you live there. You are hustling. You are you are striving for your dreams, whatever that career goal or life goal may be you have to be on in LA for and you kind of make it happen for yourself you realize you get to a point where you're like oh my dreams are coming true and maybe you're in your car sitting in LA traffic you're doing you're running some errands you're you just mm. sent that email that was really important maybe you grabbed like some in and out on the way ooh i like it and we just hear flow on which is a really like I don't want to say relaxing, but it's one of those songs that's like, yeah, like you've got a handle on this and we're floating on and it's all going to be okay. Nice. I like it. I like it. And next up, we have a review from Riot. You left us a very lovely review. said that it, listening to the pod is like hanging out with your old buddies from college. Ooh, maybe we went to college together. Maybe we actually know each other. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and um, because you said that the pod is something that's unique, we were like, okay, we want to we want to pick something that is like a little bit original, one might say. Ooh. So we picked the song "One Original Thing" by Cheyenne Kimball, Love that. Uh, featured in the seminal classic Aquamarine, and modeled after the montage in Aquamarine. I do see this as a shopping montage. Um, I think you're going to the thrift store. You want to get some like cool new fits as we're going into winter or whatever season it is in the place that you live. And you're just searching through those racks. You're picking up a statement sweater. You're picking up a cool little flannel. You found some great jeans that, oh my God, fit you perfectly. Amazing. And last but not least, you pick up just a cool little like retro pair of sunglasses. And you have a whole outfit ready to go, taking you into whatever you have ahead of you for this weekend. So I hope you enjoy and listen to that song this week. Well, maybe you hit up your local thrift store. Ooh, we love a thrifty find. Yes. And I, and before I get to the next uh, review left by Colchella, I do want to just float a Halloween idea to you. Mm. You as Rory Gilmore and me as Lorelai. <laughs> you know what's wild? This is a tangent. I'm so sorry, listeners. But when we were in college, when I was a freshman, that's when I was watching Gilmore Girls for the first time. Yeah. And there were multiple people that said that I either reminded them of or looked like Rory Gilmore. I don't think I look anything like her, so I have no idea where that came from. But now I'm like... I'm seeing it right now. I'm like, don't compare me to Rory Gilmore. That girl's a brat. Oh, I don't think you're like her. She's a menace. But I do, like, with your hair pulled back, I do think your facial features, like your eyes. I think just because they're blue, I think that's the only thing. And your chin look like worries. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, she's beautiful, so I'll take it. Yeah. So I'm just floating that out there. And I think it'd be hilarious to be Rory and Lorelai. And I could do the cowboy with the, like pink tie-dye shirt i could wear a chilton uniform it's hey i actually have those saddle shoes there we go so you just have to get the skirt and shirt wow 
Okay. And so called Chella. Thank you so much for your sweet review. We did stalk you on Instagram a bit. Um, we noticed that you really love your dog and your dog is so, so cute. Also, you look great. Great Instagram. You're like, yeah, I love your hair. <laughs> Sorry, I but I love your hair. hair. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, and so for you, we chose Yellow by Coldplay. It's such a fun song and it's so relaxing and just like it was all yellow and what I picture is you hanging out with your dog maybe you have coffee outside at some like little bistro type restaurant and your dog is like you know hanging out with you just laying on the ground and then you go to the dog park and you kind of just like sit on the bench and you pass by the farmer's market maybe and you're just having this relaxing day to yourself with your you know man's best friend wow i I want a dog dog so bad (laughs) (laughs) oh my god we're insufferable in this episode (laughs) it's a sickness really (laughs) it's the mental illness love okay Guys, it's very late at night as we record this. All right. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, we have a review from Al Dente Noodle. Uh, love the name. I also appreciate an Al Dente Noodle. So in your review, you said that uh, the podcast is, you know, a comfort to you, which we very much appreciate. And so we decided to go with a very, like, comforting, relaxing song. We went with Bubbly by Colby Calais. And I really see this as a self-care it's a friday night you decided to stay in you watch a movie you have a little cocktail you have a nice delicious dinner it's before you go to bed and you're just doing your full like luxurious skincare routine you wash your face you do a little face mask you put on your moisturizer your serums and you know maybe you put on like your comfiest pair of pajamas oh yeah curl up in your bed with like a nice little cup of like chamomile tea and just drift off to sleep and the tea spills all over you But you put the tea on your bedside table before you fall asleep. There it is. (laughs) Yes. So thank you so much, everybody, for the reviews. We have such a blast picking these songs and these montages for you. If you haven't heard yours, it's coming up next. We got a lot of them to get through, but we are making our way. Yes, we are. And before we jump into this episode, we just want to remind you that we have some amazing new merch up. Our storefront is fresh, ready to go. We have an amazing design from Deanna Lynn. Yes. A little Raymond the Lifeguard action for you. The perfect gift um, for any aquamarine lover in your life or a gift to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, self-care. And we also have these other designs from artists that we really liked. We have like um, a Mean Girls design. We have one from Jennifer's Body. There's one that's from Fear Street. Mm-hmm. So be sure to check those out as well. All the sales that are made are obviously going to help us just make this pod bigger and better for you. Yeah. And with that being said, shall we dive in? I'm ready to go. Let's do it.
We're back in the best city in the world, baby. The city is so nice they named it twice. New York, New York. <laughs> Andy, played by Anne Hathaway, brushes her big teeth in the morning. That's not a mean thing to say. She has a beautiful <laughs> smile. Yeah. And obviously we get the aerial New York shot. We see these models, like beautiful gals, yeah. getting ready for work in the morning. They're putting on like expensive lingerie to work, question mark. Yeah. And they have just the skinniest bodies ever. This is like 2006 Coke chic. And mm. putting on makeup, deciding what the perfect look for today is. Meanwhile, Andy puts on an old sweater, <laughs> some slapdash <laughs> lipstick. I cannot imagine putting on lipstick without any face makeup on. Is it lipstick? I thought it was lip balm. Like, I didn't even think it was... Oh, it might be. That it was so much to have a, a tint to it. <laughs> yeah. And she sips her morning coffee, looks through her portfolio of articles. Meanwhile, these other women are measuring nuts on a scale. I'm like, they really... <laughs> The body issues that this movie caused oh my God. to young women, yeah, unconscionable. So Andy grabs a bagel at her local Tompkins, and mm. she takes the train to work, but everyone else takes a car. I'm like, that's just a waste of money and ethanol fuel, fossil fuels, baby. Did you notice that she lived on uh, Orchard Street? She's a Lower East Side gal. Oh, my God. Her apartment is literally <laughs> so big. For living yeah. in the Lower East Side. At like 22. <laughs> unemployed. Yeah, straight, fresh out of college, unemployed. Hus yeah. Husband, oh my gosh, living boyfriend, uh, a line cook Sous at chef. a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so she strolls up to the faux Condé Nast, uh, which they name Elias Clark or Elias Clark. Elias. Elias, Elias Clark. Clark, yeah. Yes. So Andy shows up for her interview at Elias Clark. It is at the Runway Magazine office. Mm -hmm. So she heads up there where she meets up with Emily Charlton, who is like, human resources must have a sense of humor looking at um, Andy walking in. Emily is obviously not impressed. And she basically walks Andy through the office and talks about how she used to be Miranda's second assistant, but the first assistant got promoted, so now Emily is the first and has to replace herself. And apparently Miranda fired the last two girls that she had picked out after only a few weeks, so she needs somebody who can actually survive the job. And Andy's like, oh, who's Miranda? And this is where I'm like, did you do no prep whatsoever? because yeah, this doesn't even have to do with fashion. This involves like you actually wanting mm -hmm. to be employed. Absolutely. And this is where like I begin to craft my theory that Andy was a gifted child who never had to like try at anything and always like succeeded very easily at whatever she did. Oh, so yeah. she didn't really have to put in much effort and kind of assume that once she graduated, she would just like get a job at the New Yorker. Um, yeah, I'm working for the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. Very um Rory Gilmore-esque, I must say. True. Yeah. So Emily is like, I'm going to pretend that you did not just ask me that and says that Miranda is the editor-in-chief of Runway, not to mention a legend. And apparently if you work for her for a year, you can get a job at any magazine that you want and a million girls would kill for this job. That is when Emily gets a phone call and immediately starts to freak out. Apparently Miranda is on her way into the office early because her like facialist 
ruptured a disc or something. Oh, I think she like couldn't come to the appointment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's like, tell everyone. They all start like panicking and getting ready. Nigel, aka Stanley Tucci, is like, all right, everyone, gird your loins. And we see people like throwing out their food. They're switching out their clogs for pumps. They're putting on lipstick. They're like getting the office ready. They do a great job at like really building the anticipation of Miranda walking in. And you know exactly like what her standards are before you even see her, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So Miranda elevator opens emily rushes to meet her and she just goes in a flat subtle tone i don't understand why it's so difficult to confirm an appointment details of your incompetence do not interest me tell simone i'm not going to prove that girl okay this is a longer monologue than i initially (laughs) thought but basically it's a immediate barrage of errands to run And at the end of it all, she wonders, who's that? And obviously she's referring to Andy. Emily tells her that HR sent her, but she is entirely wrong for the job. And Miranda's like, well, I want to see for myself um, because the last couple girls she sent her were completely incompetent. So Emily ends up sending in Andy to see Miranda, but she grabs her briefcase and she's like, do not bring, do not let her see you with this. It's foul. <laughs> so Andy goes into Miranda's office and Miranda asks, you know, what she's doing here. And Andy says that she came to New York to be a journalist. Uh, she recently graduated from Northwestern. She applied everywhere and then finally got a call from Elias Clark. And it was basically either this or Auto Universe. Why would you tell someone that? Literally, why? She has such a raging superiority complex, like, right off the bat. Yeah. It's just like, first of all, you're 22. Maybe don't come in with this energy. <laughs> like, this is not going to set you up on the right foot. No. Second of all, just even maybe pick up a copy of the magazine that you're interviewing at. Mm-hmm. This is, like, something that kind of shocks me about Andy, and I guess we'll talk about this more later, but it's her her lack of attention to detail as somebody who's a writer, because she's a writer, and like that's like the whole thing of being a writer is attention to detail. <laughs> it's pretty shocking yeah. how little of it she has at the beginning. Um, but yeah, basically Miranda asks Andy if she's ever read Runway or if she'd even heard of her before today. Obviously, Andy says no, and she's like, and you know, you have no – style or sense of fashion and when andy's like well i think that depends on your perspective she's like no no that wasn't a question (laughs) and andy tries to like kind of talk about her accomplishments in college but miranda's just like no no that's all and just shoes her out of the room andy's about to leave but she turns around and she's like you know i know that i don't know anything about fashion i don't really fit in here but i'm smart and i'm a quick learner and i'll work very very hard And that's when Nigel comes in and cuts her off. He has like some proofs for this shoot that they're working on. And Andy leaves. She goes down to the lobby. But that's when Emily calls her back in and has her go back upstairs. She got the job with her little speech. (laughs) I will give her that she's not mousy. And at 22, I was quite like, I like would not be that bold to like stand up to someone like that yeah because it's clear that like 
Miranda is impressed by that more so than what any girl who is like obsessed with runway or obsessed with fashion would have to mm-hmm. offer. Like she sees that like pluckiness in Andy. Totally. So that night, Andy tells her boyfriend and her friends about her amazing new job at Runway over dinner, and her boyfriend, Nate, is shocked that she got a job at a fashion magazine and asks if it was a phone interview. Rude. And that is the first (laughs) strike, okay? (laughs) It only goes downhill. The nagging right off the bat. And her friend Doug is like, You know, I've heard a lot about Miranda being unpredictable, not great to work with, but like a million girls would kill for this job. And Andy's like, "Uh, yeah, like I'm not one of them. Like I'm different. Um, You know, I don't I'm not into fashion. Like I'm just a down to earth (laughs) chill girl. Sorry. I just find a lot of character flaws this character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Lily tells her she has to start somewhere and she uses Nate working at his restaurant job with paper napkins as an example because he wants to work at like an upscale restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then Nate calls out Lily for working at a gallery where he doesn't even know what she does. So Nate's just an asshole to everyone is what I'm reading from the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Doug, the nice man that he is, I would love to see Doug and Andy end up together. Is Doug not gay? It's never said explicitly. It's kind of insinuated that he's not straight. Damn. In like a very 2006, like this man knows about fashion, so he must be gay type of way, you know? Bummer. I think he's a very nice man. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's the only friend that I actually like. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. So basically they, Doug it reassures her and he's like, you know, I'm lucky. I have my dream job. Just kidding. I'm a corporate analyst. So they all propose a toast to jobs that pay the rent because they all have jobs that they don't absolutely love. Just remember mm. that for later. <laughs> this is a surprise tool that will come in handy later. <laughs> exactly. Then after dinner, Andy talks to Nate about how all these girls are dressed up and how she doesn't have anything to wear to work. And he tells her that she always looks great and suggests they go home to do something that doesn't require any clothes. And I feel like their entire relationship in this movie, it's so clear that they dated in college because yeah, he leaves no room for her to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. It actually reminded me a lot of, in Bridesmaids, actually, like the Chris Pratt oh, yeah. boyfriend character, yeah. very much like same flavor, slightly different font. Yeah. Just like... I hate this brand of dude. I really hate it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But anyways, the next morning, Andy is woken up at 630 in the morning by a call from Emily, who's like, you need to come into the office right now. Like Miranda killed the autumn jacket shoot and she like moved this other shoot up like a month. Go get everybody's coffee orders. Write this down. Here's a million of them. (sighs) So Andy takes her sweet time getting the coffee, finally shows up to the office. Yeah. And back at the office, Miranda's like, where's my coffee? Did she die? (laughs) So (laughs) Andy finally comes in with the coffees and Emily tells her that this is a very difficult job, which she is entirely wrong for. And if she fucks it up, it's her head on the chopping block. And Emily tells her that she must answer the phone every time it rings. And gives her this anecdotal story about a girl who sliced her hand open and left the desk. And how Miranda missed a call from Carr Lagerfeld. Now that girl works at TV Guide. So imperative. The phone rings immediately. 
Emily answers. She tells the caller that Miranda isn't available. And then she explains to Andy that their jobs are entirely different. Andy runs errands. She is in charge of Miranda's schedule, her expenses, and she gets to go to Paris Fashion Week with her in the fall. And she just kind of like blabs on about all the couture that she'll get to wear in Paris, the parties. And then she heads over to the art department to deliver the book. But just as she leaves, the phone rings and Andy answers the phone. She is like, kind of like, doesn't know what the fuck to do and asked to take a message for Dolce and Gabbana. She's like, how do you spell Gabbana? And they just hang up on her. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, even if you're not into fashion, like, you one would have heard of Dolce and Gabbana before, right? Yes. Like, anyone who's ever been to a mall. Yeah. I feel, especially in 2006. Oh, yeah. That was, like, designer central, like, where that was a thing. I feel like there's been a big shift now where things are more so like small boutiques, like more so like that's what's hip and what's cool. Like designer isn't really cool anymore like it used to be. Yeah, but it's totally not. this was like the heyday of like highbrow designer. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we know, Nigel Stanley Tucci comes over. <laughs> Love him. Oh, big fan. Uh, anyone who's listened to the pod before knows that we are – Members of the Tucci gang. Yeah. Through and through. Huge fans. So he presents Andy with a pair of slingback heels. He's like, I guessed a size 13. <laughs> I thought he said size 8. <laughs> 13. Oh, I thought he said size like <laughs> nine and a half or something. Oh, uh, ma- maybe. Actually, you're probably right. But Andy's like, no, like, thank you, but I don't need these. You know, Miranda hired me. She knows what I look like. And he just goes, do you? <laughs> Which is... <laughs> pretty scathing meanwhile miranda starts calling out emily emily and when andy doesn't answer nigel's like she means you so andy rushes in and uh, actually ends up correcting miranda and she's like actually my name is andy and miranda's just like okay (laughs) and then just starts listing off like a bunch of tasks for her to do she needs 10 or 15 skirts from calvin klein make sure we get pier 59 for 8 a.m tomorrow remind jocelyn i want to see a few of those satchels that mark is doing in the pony tell simone i'll take frankie if maggie isn't available and did demarchelier confirm and she's just like demarchelier and she's like demarchelier did he confirm get him on the phone (laughs) i would have taken a notebook in there because i would not (laughs) be able to remember absolutely not she's about to walk out when miranda's like oh and emily she turns around looks her up and down and just goes that's all (laughs) and she walks back to her desk immediately puts on the heels ditches her clogs and they're not like cute clogs they're like pretty awful to look at it's as if she went back to the costume designer from princess Diaries and said i'd love those shoes (laughs) that lily wore to school every day (laughs) yeah literally and one thing that i love about meryl's performance as miranda her portrayal is how she never ever speaks like above a whisper and i was watching like an interview where she says that she actually 
took inspiration for like this way of talking for Miranda from Clint Eastwood because he talks very softly on his sets. So everybody has to like lean in to hear what he's saying, which makes him like the most powerful person in the room. And I think that that's like a great choice. I think a lesser um, actress might have played this character as very like loud and like a lot more like aggressive but mm-hmm. because Meryl is so restrained it makes her like a million times scarier she's also like a renowned actress mm-hmm. a powerful person went yeah. to like Vassar well educated I think that she has a little bit of experience oh well yeah in of that course. powerful role yeah for sure that she could bring to the table mm-hmm. so Andy's shook by all of these directions and thankfully before she really has to do anything yet Emily comes back and calls DeMarchelier instead and she's like I've got Patrick and then Andy debriefs her on all of these things that Miranda asked her to do she's like in the pony and the the satchels and the skirts and Emily asks her which skirts and Andy's like I tried to ask and Emily's like you may never ask her a question it's just like Okay, Emily, then don't ask me what kind of skirts. But she doesn't say this. That's just me. And she tells her that she'll take care of it and sends her off to Calvin Klein. And Andy's like, who, me? Little old me? Don't make me go to Calvin Klein. (laughs) Literally. And she's like, I'm sorry. Do you have a prior commitment? Is that some hideous skirt convention? I can't do her accent. I love that you made her like a cockney. Do you have a hideous skirt convention to go to? Yeah, it's she has like the most prim accent. Yeah. We were talking about this off mic, I think, because it sounds like she is mm-hmm. doing a mocking voice of an English person because it sounds so like Yeah. I'm from London town. It's yeah. very posh, which which she is. We did look it up. She was born in London, um, which makes sense given her, her father was a barrister. <laughs> the top barrister in all of London. Which just means a lawyer. <laughs> it just means that he was a lawyer. <laughs> oh, man. So while Andy is on her way to Calvin Klein, you know, she gets a call from Miranda. She's like, are you there yet? And when Andy's like, almost, Miranda hangs up on her. And that's when Emily calls her back. And she's like, you also have to go to Hermes and pick up 25 scarves. And you have to go pick up one of Miranda's daughter's homework at Dalton. And she also wants hot coffee when she gets back. And I mean hot It's a lot to do on a first day. Tis, tis. So Andy makes it back to the office and Emily asks her where the hell she's been because she has had to pee. And Andy's like, you haven't left since I was gone. And she's like, I can't leave the fucking desk. What part do you not get? (laughs) And Emily tells her that the run through will be at 1230 And people are panicking, so the phone will be ringing off the hook. And Andy asked if it's always like this, and Emily's like, oh, no, sometimes it's busy. That's when Serena comes over. A.K.A. Giselle. That's who, okay, that's who I thought it was. (laughs) And Giselle Bunchen is like, you know, let's go to lunch together. And Emily introduces Andy as the new her. And Serena's like, I thought you would, I can't do a Dutch accent. (laughs) She's Dutch, right? Is she? Something. Where's, let's see. Brazilian. Yeah, I thought she was Brazilian. Okay. So Serena's like, 
oh my God, I thought you were joking. And they like laugh at Andy right in front of her face and talk shit about her as they walk away. Yeah. Also wild that um, it doesn't seem legal to me that Emily gets 20 minutes for lunch and Andy gets 15. Certainly not. Certainly not legal. So Andy goes to the cafeteria at lunch and she picks up some corn chowder and Nigel comes over. <laughs> Nigel comes over and he's like, corn chowder? Do you know that one of the main ingredients in corn chowder is cellulite? So, <laughs> yep. So if you didn't already have an eating disorder, just watch this movie. <laughs> it's, oh God, yeah. So... Andy's like, okay, so like none of the girls eat around here. And he's, uh, it just gets worse. He says, not since two became the new four and zero became the new two. And Andy's like, well, I'm a six. And he's like, which is the new 14? You're basically obese. You should God. see a doctor. Don't you just love um, it's insane. body image in the 2000s? And now still, it's such a great time. Well, my favorite is like that they all have salads. They all have these like plastic boxes of salads mm. in like the cafeteria line. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing on the salad. You have like a, a garden salad. Yeah. But uh, she ends up spilling some corn chowder on her sweater. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, don't worry. I'm sure you have plenty more poly blend where that came from. And she's like, I get it. You think my clothes are hideous, but, you know, it's just a job. I don't see the point in changing everything about myself for it. And he's like, oh, yes. Well, that is what this multi-billion dollar industry is all about, inner beauty. And that's when they get a phone call. Turns out that Miranda has moved the run through up half an hour and she's always 15 minutes early which means that andy is already late so they rush out of the cafeteria to the elevator so they get to the elevator and nigel and andy get in who's there irv the man who owns the magazine is that it or does he own all of i'm pretty sure he's elias like clark. one of the chairman of elias clark yeah okay and so he's like nigel how much is it costing me that Miranda killed the autumn jackets and pulled up the uh, Sedona shoot? And Nigel's like, about 300000 And he says they must have been some hideous jackets. <laughs> then Herb introduces himself to Andy, and Nigel tells him that she's Miranda's newest assistant. And he congratulates her, and as he gets out of the elevator, he's like, a million girls would kill for that job. Andy's like, all right enough <laughs> i get it i get it <laughs> so we have the run through miranda is not really impressed by you know what she's being shown she's like you guys have had hours to prepare for this why is no one ready they end up settling on this like kind of ballerina like looking dress and uh start to pull it together with some accessories and i kind of like that dress with the like cowgirl thing going on yeah so then one of the editors presents Miranda with two different turquoise belts, which have completely different I buckles. I was going to say the same <laughs> yeah. thing. There's one with a huge, like, Western buckle, and the other one is, like, yeah. a very small, like, normal-ass buckle. Yeah, and for some reason, because Andy has no sense for details, <laughs> getting heated, she starts to, like, scoff to herself when the editor's like, it's a tough call, they're so different which they are. It's completely different vibes, but whatever. She and does everybody stupid when she delivers that line. Yeah. It's a tough call. They're so different. <laughs> True. But um, yeah, Andy, you know. She starts breathing heavily. 
<laughs> Please go ahead. Yeah. Um, Andy, you know, snorts to herself and starts to chuckle and everyone turns to look at her. And Miranda's like, is something funny? And Andy's like, oh, no, no, no. It's just those belts look exactly the same to me. And, you know, I'm still learning about this stuff. And <clears throat> I'm going to deliver this monologue. Um, it's not going to be nearly as good as Miss Streep, but I will do my best. And Miranda goes, this stuff. Oh, okay. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled down onto some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs, and it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when, in fact, you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Miranda said, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, hunty. <laughs> so I'm going to burn it all to the ground. <laughs> God, I mean... One of the best, like, monologues maybe ever written for film, in my opinion. I can't, I can't get behind that statement. Really? I, I mean, it's so, it's so iconic, this whole monologue, the way that she delivers it and just, like, so casually destroys Andy with it. The, the writing, I think, is great. Mm -hmm. I think her performance is great. I'm just, like, for me, the first 40 minutes of this movie felt like I was, like, will this ever end? Like, I do like the movie and I've seen it many times. I think maybe I need to see it another time where I'm not like analyzing it, but I was like, all right, we get it. This girl is like, I'm anti-fashion. And then Miranda bullies her. And like, for me, there just wasn't enough tension or conflict in the first like half of the movie. Whereas like in the latter half, we start to see like these relationships like actually building intention and like falling apart and all these like other plot lines coming together. Like I know that there has to be an exposition, but for me, I'm like, I got really bored in the first 40 minutes. Wow. That's so interesting to me. Um, I mean, I, I think that this, the, the first part of the movie is so necessary because you have to get Andy to that breaking point where she realizes that she's not actually trying as hard as she could and she's not uh, really shown any sort of interest in the work that she's doing. Like she talks about that later on where she's like, I'm killing myself at this job. And it's like, well, you haven't even taken a moment to learn about what it is that you're like working on and what you're, what industry you're in. Like you're not actually trying. And I feel like we need to see her be like broken down over and over and over again and kind of like have her first experience in the real world. Cause it's very clear that Andy has lived a very sheltered life and has always been told that everything she does is amazing. So 
I personally think that it's super necessary. And if we didn't have that, then nothing in the second act would be earned. I don't think that it doesn't need to happen, but I think that there could be like a more tension added in. I think like they honestly don't show a lot of Andy's other side other than her being like, I don't want to do fashion. Like, like we don't know much about her character, whereas other movies like for some reason, I'm specifically thinking of the favorite where it's like when that movie starts, like the tension is already there. And it's about like this girl basically trying to get in cahoots with the queen and like win her over and like do that whole thing. And I think that like maybe it's the fact that we don't have like enough background information about Andy or like I'm trying to think about like what I actually like would want to see. Yeah, I guess I think I just want to know more like like why why does this job mean so much? Because I feel like I don't see that tension where it's like Andy needs this job or like she wants even because when she comes and has that breakdown, it does totally feel like it's out of nowhere where it's like, I don't know what I'm like doing wrong, but we'll we'll get into it like after we have said the whole thing. Mm. But the first 40 minutes were quite slow for me. Mm. Well, I mean, for for me, the stakes all lie in the fact that like she has to work here for a year, essentially, like she has to pay her dues. And this is going to be her ticket into getting where she actually wants to go. Yeah, I guess I wish I would have seen that more than the, just them saying it in the beginning. Okay. I mean, I would argue that if they did, that would be far more expositional than what we actually have. Maybe I just don't like the performance from Anne Hathaway. Because mm. from the beginning when we see Andy and when we see, sorry, not Andy, when we see Miranda and we see Emily, it feels like their characters are super thought out. Mm. And like as soon as Miranda comes in, it's like, I'm really glued to her performance. Yeah. Emily is like giving a lot with her performance. And then Andy, before real conflict starts to emerge, I'm like, all right, girl next door character. Like, I feel like disinterested. Well, yeah, she she's like the straight man. She's the straight man character to their more extreme, kind of more out of this world personas because like she is the she andy is like the outsider Mm -hmm. so i feel like if she also had kind of like a wacky character i feel like the balance would be weird i don't think it needs to be wacky but i think she kind of lands in this like no man's land where it's like not a draw it's not enough of a drama movie for her to be like totally like grounded and like like introspective but it's also not a comedic enough movie where she is playing that more character character and for me like until more things start to happen i was just like all right bore but interesting so it goes Mm -hmm. back at home andy rants to her shitty boyfriend nate about the whole scenario with miranda and that miranda isn't happy unless everyone around her is panicked or nauseous or suicidal and how they spend so much money reshooting stuff that was fine to begin with selling people things they don't need and nate gives andy a grilled cheese with the arlsberg and she's like ah i'm not even hungry anymore and he's like that's eight dollars worth of the arlsberg <laughs> eight and i'm like sweetie 
how much cheese did you put it? That's like a whole block of like <laughs> yeah. Parmesan. Especially in 2006. Was cheese yeah. more expensive then? I don't think so. I don't think so. And Andy's like, you know what? I just have to stick it out for a year and then I can do whatever I want, but I can't let Miranda get to me. So then we get this montage. Um, it's a great like passage of time montage and it's framed through Miranda waltzing into the office and dropping her coat and bag on Andy's desk. And we get to see all these like amazing <laughs> coats that she has. I think that's yes. like one of my favorite thing about a Miranda outfit is like the statement coat. Mm-hmm. There's so many good ones. Um, but basically like every time she drops off her coat and her bag, she's like, get Isaac on the phone. Where's my breakfast? Where's that piece of paper I had in my hand yesterday morning? That's like, a good one. Do this, do that. <laughs> yeah. The girls need surfboards. We see Andy walking through the streets of Manhattans with surfboards the surfboards um pick up my shoes go get patricia her giant dog like it just goes on and on and on i think it's like a very fun little montage yeah then that evening miranda asks for de marchelier and andy successfully gets patrick on the phone i have patrick (laughs) and then she talks to emily about how um, they don't seem to be on call this weekend since Miranda will be in Miami and how her dad is coming in from Ohio and they have these plans to go to dinner and watch Chicago. And she's like, are you doing anything fun this weekend, Emily? And Emily's just like, yes. <laughs> Shut down. So Andy goes to dinner with her dad. He ends up actually handing her a check. He's like, I don't want you to get behind on rent. And Andy's like, oh, I'm going to kill mom. Oh, my God. Thank you. I will take this check. Oh, my God, dad. (laughs) Dad, thank you. Money, money, please. Money. Did he miss a couple (laughs) zeros, daddy? (laughs) And, uh, you know, he basically tells Andy that they're kind of worried about her because – she gets paid nothing. She's working late all the time. She's sending them emails. At she's the eating shit off the street. <laughs> Please God. Yeah. She's sending them emails from the office at like 2 a.m. And she doesn't have time to write anything anymore. And she's like, well, I wrote those emails. And he's like, I just want to understand why someone who got into Stanford Law. <laughs> you heard me correctly. Stanford Law. Turned One thing it down. to just put in the script for no fucking reason. Yeah. Well, I guess she did go to Northwestern. So, like, obviously she's a smarty. But we're talking Ivy League yeah, here. Yeah, I'm like, she did not. Yeah. She turned it down to become a journalist. And he's like, and now you're not even doing that. And Andy's like, Dad, you just need to trust me. Being Miranda's assistant is going to open all these doors for me. You know, Emily, she's going to Paris with Miranda. She gets to meet all these writers and designers, all these important people. And like next year, that could be me. And uh, that's when she gets a frantic phone call from Miranda, who is stuck in Miami because her flight was canceled due to like an insane like tropical hurricane. (laughs) Which we can see through the window is like... Making palm trees horizontal. Yeah, literally. And she's like, I need to get home tonight because the twins have a recital at school tomorrow. That really sucks for you. (laughs) Yeah. Sucks to suck. You can't pay the weather, Miranda. Absolutely not. So Andy tries to make some phone calls to a bunch of different airlines. She tries to charter a jet, like nothing. So she calls Miranda back and she's like, nobody is flying out tonight because it's a hurricane. And Miranda's like, call everyone we know with a jet. Call Donatella. Ask Irv. Get me home. And Andy starts freaking out to her dad. She's like, oh my God, she's going to murder me. And her dad is like, what are you supposed to do? 
call the National Guard to airlift her out of there? And Andy's like, no, can I do that? And he's just like, come on. And (laughs) takes her into the theater to see Chicago. 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 Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane. I'm actually thinking of On Victorious when... Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a city that's exciting. It's a city that's fine. It's a city that was fine just for me. I feel like I saw a TikTok or somebody told me this story. I can't remember. Of somebody who... (laughs) Wait. I have to know. (laughs) (laughs) they went to new york with their family and begged to go and see chicago because they thought it was like the show that trina vega was doing in victorious not realizing that chicago was like its own musical (laughs) and they they thought they were gonna see trina vega's chicago on broadway in new york city unbelievable (laughs) what a waste of money (laughs) yep Oh my god. So, <sighs> what happens next? Well, Andy comes to work and goes into Miranda's office and Miranda's like, hmm, the girls' recital was uh, wonderful. Everyone loved it. Except for me, because I wasn't there. And Ooh. Andy tries to apologize and Miranda's like, um, you know, I always hire the same girl. Stylish. Slender worships the magazine, but so often they turn out to be disappointing and stupid. But then when Andy came in with her resume and her little dumb speech <laughs> and her work ethic, and she thought she'd give her a chance and hire a sp- and hire a smart fat girl, you know, but she ended up disappointing her more than any of the other silly girls. And I wonder to myself what the fuck she actually wanted to happen. Like, what could she... Planes were grounded. Yeah. I just don't even know (laughs) what the next step would be. So... Well, my my favorite moment in that little scene is when she's like, it's just drizzling. And then, like, the fucking lightning and thunder booms in the background. (laughs) Yeah. And Andy's like, I did everything I could think of. Miranda's like, that's all. And Andy leaves her office and walks down the hall to do what? To go see her old pal, Nigel. So he's looking over some photos and Andy walks in and just kind of starts immediately breaking down and crying. And she's like, Miranda hates me. If I do something right, it doesn't get acknowledged. She doesn't say thank you. And if I do something wrong, Miranda is vicious. And Nigel's like, okay, so then quit. (laughs) You know, I can get another girl to take your job in five minutes. One who really wants it. True. Which like, he's not wrong. And Andy's like, well, I don't want to quit. I just want a little credit for killing myself trying. And he's like, you're not trying. You're whining. And then we have another monologue. And I'm not going to do it, but I'm just going to summarize it for you. <laughs> but basically, he's like, "Like, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to like comfort you and be like, oh, poor Andy. Miranda's picking on you. No. Wake up. Miranda's doing her job. And like basically talks about how she's working at this very important historic place that has published some of the greatest artists of the century, like Halston, Lagerfeld, De La Renta. And what they did, what they created was greater than art. I actually, I love this quote, so I'm going to say it verbatim. Mm-hmm. And what they did, what they created was greater than art because you live your life in it. Ooh. Yeah. And he's like, well, not you, but some people, obviously. <laughs> 
And he says that this isn't just a magazine. It's a shining beacon of hope for, let's say, a young boy growing up in Rhode Island with six brothers pretending to go to soccer practice when he was really going to sewing class and reading Runway under the covers. Okay, Troy Bolin. <laughs> I don't know where to go. What's the I, right w- I just want to scream. I don't know what melody <laughs> the song is in. Oh, my gosh. Um. But yeah, he basically talks about how Andy doesn't even know how many legends have walked these halls. And what's worse is she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Because this place where so many people would die to work, she only deigns to work. And you want to know why Miranda doesn't kiss you on the forehead and give you a gold star on your homework at the end of the day? Wake up, sweetheart. Boom. And so Andy's like, I wish I knew what I could do. And then a light bulb goes off in her head and Nigel's like, no. But what does he do anyway? Takes her to the closet (laughs) and is like, well, there's nothing in here that'll fit a size six. So we'll have to make twos and fours work. And he gets a ton of designer clothes. There's like a poncho he picks out. Mm -hmm. He's like, we have to go to the beauty department and God knows how long that'll take. All they they really do is give her some bangs and straighten her hair. Yeah. (laughs) The straightener's broken now and the brushes are (laughs) gone. Oh my gosh. So Emily and Serena are at Emily's desk and they're just, you know, shit talking Andy when she strolls in looking amazing, head to toe Chanel. Well, actually, I don't know about anything other than the jacket and the the boots, but the jacket and the boots are Chanel. Mm -hmm. And uh, the girls are stunned. And Emily's like, are you wearing the, and Andy goes, the Chanel boots? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Sits down at her desk. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Chanel boots? (laughs) Don't know her. Yes, I do. Just kidding. They're on my fucking feet. (laughs) So what happens next? Oh, Nate gets out of work late. Andy's leaning up against a hot rod. No, it's just a car parked. It's not even her car. (laughs) And he like walks right by his girlfriend of presumably four years, I guess. I don't know. They've been together. And then he's like, wait, what? And (laughs) notices Andy and she's like, what do you think? And he's like, well, we better get out of here before my girlfriend sees. I just can't take this man seriously. I think he's like a load of shit. Yeah. But he looks like Adrian Grenier. So she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Whatever you say. He is attractive. I'll give him that for sure. Absolutely. Those green eyes. Of course. Undoubtedly. So then we get a montage because Andy is a new woman. We see all of these fits of her still taking the subway, but she is in chic clothing and she's walking in her heels and oh yeah, she sets a mineral, she sets a glass of mineral water down on Miranda's desk and lays out her magazines just how she likes it. And Miranda finally notices her new look and she like doesn't say anything, but you could tell. She likes it. Mm-hmm. She's happy. She's trying. I love this montage. There's so many good looks in it. I think that my personal favorite is when she's wearing like the white coat um, with like the little cap. That one's very chic. But also like the last outfit that we see her in, the like kind of all black monochromatic, like long coat, mini dress, tall, oversized boots. Gorgeous look. And also very timeless too. I think honestly – Any look where she's wearing like tall black boots and a skirt Mm -hmm. and maybe like 
a trench coat or like some sort of overcoat. Yeah. I I would wear tall boots and a skirt every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Like someone stopped me from buying a pair of tall Christian Louboutins <laughs> and wearing them every day. <laughs> no, that's why I love fall because if I could just wear boots every day of my life, like all the time, I would. I hate wearing pretty much any other type of shoe other than sneakers I'm like fine with. But if I could wear boots with every single outfit, I would. 100%. I do. And I know some people hate wearing heels, but I really enjoy wearing heels. Oh, yeah. I don't mind. Um, it's not even because I'm sure. I just like – I love the way they make me feel. Like it feels like mm-hmm. kind of just like adding a little extra touch, mm-hmm. but you don't have to really dress up. You can just wear like a heeled boot and mm-hmm. suddenly it's like yeah. an escalated outfit. Definitely. It's all it's all in like the little details. It's in the accessories. Um but yeah, oh God, there's so many good, so many good shoes in this movie. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I, I didn't really notice it while I was watching, but it was mentioned in the style analysis video that I watched about how the fashion in this movie has aged remarkably well. I think because it aged so well, I didn't even like notice it because they don't really follow like trends of the time that much in this movie because a lot of it is designer. So it's a little bit more like understated, but I feel like probably like, of the outfits in this movie you could wear today and it wouldn't look out of place. I do think the skirt boots tights combo is Mm -hmm. market of the early 2000s, especially with like the long like overcoat. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's more about like really boxy outfits. Like I think there's less of like a body. There's less cinching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like showing off the curves is like a lot less popular and stuff like that. But I would definitely say that, especially Chanel, I mean, they're such a timeless brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that probably like Emily's clothes are more, with the exception of like the waist cinch belts, I mm-hmm. think that kind of like the mixing of like textured fabrics is much more in now, especially like if you're on TikTok and you're on the side of TikTok where you're on like New York City fashion student TikTok where they do like their get ready with me and they're just like layering all these fabrics that like no one would ever even think to put together and they're wearing like a sweater around their waist with like the arms hanging out and like tearing up shirts and putting shit together. It's like it's it's much more so like a more Vivian Westwood kind of experimental look. So I feel like Emily's clothes would translate very well into today's fashion, probably just made less tailored. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you if you haven't had a chance to gander on that side of TikTok, I recommend you'll see some wild outfits. <laughs> but anyways, getting back to the film. So Andy shows up late for dinner with her friends and she's like, oh, sorry, there was a crisis in the accessories department. I had to find a Python headband and ends up actually giving her friends a bunch of goodies that she got from work. The pissed offery in your voice right now. (laughs) They don't deserve them, except for Doug. He's fine, I guess. But Doug gets this like $1,600 bang and... Olsen, I don't even know if that's that's how it's pronounced, phone. Doesn't look like a phone, but they're very excited about it. Um, She gives them some skincare, a little Clinique, and Lily gets the brand new Marc Jacobs bag, which is sold out everywhere because Miranda got it for free, she didn't want it, and Andy got it. And Nate is like, 
why do women need so many bags? Just get one and put all your junk in it. And it's like a fucking like women be shopping stand up routine. And I hate it. <laughs> what women be shopping? Women God. be shopping. <laughs> Guys are yeah. like, women brushed their teeth. <laughs> They brush their teeth and then they use mouthwash. And then you know what they do? Spend my money. (laughs) Woman, breathe. And then they eat. Why? (laughs) Can I get an amen? Am I right, fellas? (laughs) So, um, yeah, Nate's a piece of trash. (laughs) Long story short. Yeah, so Doug is like, Fashion isn't about utility. And I'm like, Doug, why don't you work here? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you get in here on the ground floor? Um, mm-hmm. But he says an accessory is merely a piece of iconography used to express individual identity. And I'm like, that's kind of your spitting right now. Yeah. yeah. It is iconography. And mm-hmm. Lily is like, and it's pretty, like jokingly. <laughs> I have a few thoughts about Lily too. I digress. Yeah. And Andy tells them that there's more to runway than fancy purses and explains that there are essays from Joan Didion. There's an interview with Christiane Amanpour and Nate's like, oh, someone's been drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm like, so any written piece from a woman that she or girlfriend's allotting right now, any semblance of like, you know, her journalistic integrity, you're just shitting all over. It's infuriating he will not give this woman an inch of room to grow he and what does he do they're undoubtedly as a chef in training uh, whatever he is he is working late and he yeah so should andy also expect him if if the head chef says oh you're not leaving here until the entire fucking like kitchen is you know swept clean or whatever should she be like i can't believe you like came home late yeah I just think that there is, yeah. And like the thing is, he he pretends to be like this. He's like, I'm a working class, like, oh yeah, just a regular Joe. I'm like, well, first of all, you went to Northwestern. Second of all, it's you're trying because there's like a very kind of throwaway comment when Andy is at dinner with her dad. They're at this like very nice fancy restaurant, and Andy talks about how Nate tried to get a job there, but they wanted someone with more experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's like, I'm trying to work in a hole-in-the-wall place, whatever. Like, he's trying to work in very, like, upscale, fancy places, too. Yeah. You have ambition, too. Don't pretend that you don't. Yeah, I would agree. But what happens next? Oh, Andy gets a phone call from Miranda. And what what are her friends who just received very nice gifts from her decide to do? Well, Nate grabs her phone. And the rest of her friends toss the phone around as Andy tries to answer the call. And finally, she gets the phone back and she's like, you don't need to be such assholes. Yeah. So she gets sent to pick up a sketch from James Holt. Yes. So Andy goes to the very fancy James Holt party at his, I assume, like Soho loft. And um, that's when she meets the man himself, James Holt. He's a designer. He compliments her bag. He's like, oh, my God, who made that fantastic thing? And she's like, you did. (laughs) Studded leather, (laughs) distressed. Yeah. And so he gives Andy this sketch. It's Miranda's dress for the benefit. And he's like, it's top secret. And she agrees to guard it with her life. He then says since she's working for Miranda, she must be in desperate need of hard alcohol. 
And she's like, absolutely. So he orders her a glass of the punch. He's like, it's deadly. Enjoy. And after he walks away, this like slightly older blonde man strolls up and he is like, he's right. You know, I drank that at James's last party and I woke up in Hoboken wearing nothing but a poncho and a cowboy hat. <laughs> it's roofies. <laughs> You're being, everyone at this party is being roofied by James Holt. Pass it on. <laughs> So this man introduces himself. His name is Christian Thompson. Mm -hmm. Andy immediately recognizes his name because he writes for like every magazine that she loves. And she actually reviewed a collection of his essays for her college newspaper. That's like an embarrassing thing to say. <sighs> yeah. I I wrote about you in college. Like, I don't know like why when ago. you said that. <laughs> I know. When you said like he wrote for all these magazines, I'm like... <laughs> In my head, I'm like, <laughs> this is such a dumb joke. Like, he wrote for peeandpoop.com. <laughs> I was just thinking of like fake names, like, like Time Magazine. Like, you know, I'm just like in my head, I'm like yeah. just riffing. I'm simply riffing always. <laughs> after after 12 a.m., I'm fucking jokester out here. <laughs> oh my gosh, All there's right. one thing. One thing about Christian, which I, I never really thought about it before because I don't think I've really realized how young Andy is. Because other times that I've watched this, I've been like, oh, she's like 26, 27. But no, she just graduated. So she's like 22, maybe 23. Mm -hmm. Christian, how old do we think he is? Like mid-30s? Older? Yeah, he looks like he's in his mid to later 30s. Yeah. So I'm like – that's a little, uh, it's a little questionable, especially given like the the industry power dynamics of her like being a fan of his. I'm like, mm, I don't love this. I think that she wants to use him for connections. Yeah, he really has nothing to gain from her mm -hmm. other than like I don't know talking to like a beautiful woman. Yeah. Well, he, he, like, flirts with her off the bat, so it's, like, very clear that his intentions are, like, sexual. Yeah, but she's also, like, intrigued by the fact that he's a powerful writer. Yeah, she's she's very excited uh, about meeting him, and he asks what she does, and she's like, oh, you know, I want to work for somewhere like The New Yorker or Vanity Fair. I'm a writer, too. And he's like, okay, great, like, send over some of your stuff. I'd love to read it. And she's like, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. Um, but actually, right now, I am Miranda Priestley's assistant. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. You know, you'll never survive Miranda. She's like, excuse me? Excuse me? <laughs> and He's like, you know, you seem smart, nice, like, you can't do that job. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to leave now. So <laughs> she, she heads out and he's like, nice to meet you, Miranda girl, as she exits the loft. Yes. Back in the office, Miranda tells Andy to call James Holt's office and let them know that she wants to move the preview up to 1230 today. And... Andy passes this on to Nigel, who's like, why? It's not supposed to be till Tuesday. And Andy is becoming more jaded as she lives in New York. And she's like, yeah, she explained every detail of her decision making to me. And then we braided each other's hair and gabbed about American Idol. 
she's changing. <laughs> so they go to the preview, and we have a great little bit of exposition here from Andy and Nigel. And she asks him what a preview is, and he's like, well, Miranda insists on seeing all the designers' collections before they show them so she can like give her feedback for which she has a scale. Mm -hmm. So one nod is good. Two nods is very good. There's only been one actual smile on record, and that was Tom Ford in 2001. She doesn't like it. She shakes her head. And then, of course, there's the pursing of the lips, which means catastrophe. And unfortunately for James Holt, the final dress he has designed, which he designed specifically for Miranda, hey. gets the pursing of the lips. It looks like garbage. It's like a it is bad. red gown with a giant bedazzled bow on it not a fan personally so (laughs) james then tells the model to leave everybody knows that like just go it's bad (laughs) yeah and uh as they walk out of the office andy's like so because she pursed her lips he's gonna change his entire collection and not just like you don't get it do you her opinion (laughs) is the only one that matters i'm like you're hitting it over the hitting it over the head Hitting me over the head with it. So Miranda gets into her car and lists off a bunch of tasks for Andy, like making her dinner reservation, um, getting her wardrobe ready for the next location, um, et cetera, et cetera. And Andy's like, oh, pastis, I already sent your wardrobe along. It's all taken care of. And Miranda is a little impressed that she's done everything and tells her that she would like her to deliver the book to her home tonight. Yes, this is a very big deal because previously that was Emily's responsibility yes. because Miranda's super private about her home and like doesn't want any psychos in there. So she's decided that Andy is not a psycho. Ooh. So back at the office, you know, she gets the key from Emily and she's like, well, I must be doing something right. And did you hear that she's actually calling me Andrea now? And – Emily's <laughs> Andrew's like, isn't that great? And Emily's like, yeah, whoopee. <laughs> and then gives her a very clear set of instructions. And she tells her that she'll be delivering Miranda's dry cleaning along with the book. The driver will take her to Miranda's townhouse. Let yourself in. Don't talk to anyone. Don't look at anyone. You must be invisible. So open the door, walk across the foyer. Hang the dry cleaning in the closet across from the staircase and leave the book on the table with the flowers. But of course, once Andy gets to the townhouse, there are two closets across (gasps) from the stairs and also every single table has flowers on it. Who takes care of that? How rich do you have to be? If you're the editor-in-chief of Runway, apparently you're doing very well financially. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So Andy starts panicking, and that's when she hears a little whisper from the stairs, and somebody goes, it's the door on the left. It's Miranda's twin daughters. So Andy puts the dry cleaning in the closet door on the left, and then, you know, asks them which table the book goes on. And they're like, oh, you can, you can give the book to us. You can give the book to us. And she's like, no, 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 just like, which, which table? And then one of them is like, or you could bring it upstairs. Emily does it all the time. The other one's like, what? She's like, oh, yeah. She does it all the time. Just come upstairs. And for some <laughs> like reason. Devil. It's like the exorcist. Yeah. Red rum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a for, shining. <laughs> for 
for some reason, Andy listens to these children who are obviously lying. The cause of just one thing, the going upstairs, I'm like, you're dumb. Yeah. You are dumb. <laughs> yeah. So she goes upstairs with the books and walks in on Miranda and her husband. Having sex. <laughs> having a very sad argument. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, basically, like, Miranda stood him up for dinner and he was – because, like, a shoot went late and he was sitting there at the restaurant alone and he's like, and I know what everybody in that restaurant was thinking. There he is waiting for her again. And that's when he sees Andy standing at the – well, crouching at the top of the stairs with the book. Miranda looks at her absolutely livid. Andy just, like, sets the book down on the floor in front of her and, like, crawls away. Also, if anyone else watched Gossip Girl, Miranda's husband is played by Nate Archibald's uh, grandfather. Wow. Never noticed that before this time around. But there we go. In the morning, Emily drags Andy into the kitchenette and is like, what happened? And, you know, um, Andy tells her that she ended up going upstairs and like overheard this argument happening and she's like oh my god why don't you just climb into bed with her and ask for a bedtime story and emily tells her that if andy gets fired it could jeopardize her plans to go to paris then miranda calls out for andy and andy comes into her office Miranda tells her that she needs the new Harry Potter book for the twins. And Andy's like, yes, of course, I'll go to Barnes & Noble immediately. And she's like, did you fall down and smack your little head on the pavement? <laughs> One of my favorite lines. <laughs> Do you smack that dumb little leg of yours on the pavement to smash open? Um, and Andy's like, not that I can recall. <laughs> And she tells her that her twins have all the published books, but they want to know what happens next. So it shouldn't be a problem because they know everyone in publishing and you can do anything, right? And Andy is like, (laughs) 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 and she steps back out to her desk and she's like, If I called fucking J.K. Rowling herself, I couldn't get that book. And Miranda's like, I need the book by three since the girls are going to the train to visit their grandmother at four. And I want my steak in 15 minutes. Andy leaves for her wild goose chase and (laughs) asks Emily to wish her luck. And Emily goes, no, shan't. (laughs) So good. 